And there is a PowerPoint, so we'll see how that goes. And maybe Dan can follow along. The other day, I, uh, I didn't have to do the funeral for Howard. So I'm like, Dan, you're, you're fine. He, he just worked like 12, 14 straight hours or something. And I said, I'll be able to handle it. And uh, I mean, I know how to run it back there. Much more appreciation when you're back there. And it's like, next slide, please. Because you get distracted so easy. You're looking at this guy's mic and you're getting distracted by his mic and the next thing it's like you're not clicking the slide and they ask, why'd they stop singing? You know? <laughs> oh yeah, that's me. Well, maybe you heard the story recently. Uh, maybe you didn't hear the story. But um, Antasia Elzinger, what a name. She ordered lunch via delivery via DoorDash and she's waiting on her lunch to come and she's watching the app and then she realizes the driver has stopped en en route to her house and she's dismayed because, hey, he's got my food and he stopped along the way and my food's getting cold. What happened was the driver who was making the delivery got pulled over for a traffic infraction and had an outstanding warrant for his arrest and so the cop had to take him in. And so the cop's going to take him in. But you know what the cop did? The cop said, well... She needs her food. So the cop delivered the food to this Elzinger and dropped her food off. Clemens said, this is the police officer, said, it's not like we have officers that are out delivering food, but the little things like this, going above and beyond, helping people out, that's the things we do, and probably more, other, more often than people realize. And then uh, the, the lady then that got her food put this clip on the TikTok where it's since been viewed more than 11 million times. She said, there's so much negativity in the world right now, and this is just something that's so funny and so happy that I was like, more people need to see this. This is hilarious. And so you look at the cop there, and you look at the, what happened and what transpired, and it's kind of like he did a good thing, and I was thinking that's what cops are here for, right? They're here to do good. That's what the Bible even says. Government officials and cops and those in authority over us are here for our good. And so he did a good thing, and uh, it's kind of like cops do both. Like, like, on one hand, the cop is upholding the laws of our society and protecting us from criminals and doing what's right and what's righteous. And at the same time, they do good things. Like, like we would expect a cop to do something good like that or to help out, for instance, uh, some, uh, some young child that has a need to stop and just be kind. We would expect that. And many times today, cops get a bad rap. And some deserve that, but I think most cops probably are like this. Uh, they have become a cop because there's something they want to do to serve society. And so they're out there oftentimes doing what's right and upholding the laws and also doing goodness and showing kindness in these very simple ways, like bringing a sandwich to a lady when he didn't have to do that. He could have just eaten it, right? <laughs> We're in uh, week seven of our Fruitology series, right? Fruitology, and the idea here in this series is we're looking at the theology behind bearing fruit. Like, you know, it's not just bearing fruit, it's not something that we do, it's something that we bear, and there's kind of a theology, and that sounds like a big word, but it's really just the study of God and His Word, and we're studying what that looks like throughout the Scripture to bear fruit. And, uh, of course, the big idea we've said in this series is that, you know, really the abundant life Jesus came to give is the fruitful life. Like the more fruitful your life is, the more abundant your life will be. And so the more patience you have, the more abundant your life will be. The more kindness and goodness you have, the more abundant your life will be. Today's flavors, there's two distinct flavors, kindness and goodness. And here it is in Colossians chapter 3. 
uh, Colossians 3.12, we looked at this last week. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We looked at that last week, bearing with one another. Kind of interesting there, right? So kindness and goodness is something we put on. We've talked about them before, like our new creation clothes. We put them on. It's, it's like the cop puts on that uniform and he lives up to that uniform. And we become Christians and we're supposed to put on new creation clothes that, and we'll live up to that as we are now believers in Christ. We are his testimony. And so note that it says kindness here, but note it mentions patience we talked about last week, and then it mentions meekness, which we'll talk about, or gentleness, which we'll talk about next week in this series. Now the reason we're doubling up this morning, there's, there's really two challenges, and I have to say this was kind of, you know, you think, what an easy message, kindness and goodness, who can't preach on kindness and goodness? This was one of the harder messages that I've probably preached on this year. It was challenging, and I did a lot of reading, and I, I did a lot of digging into these two words, and here's part of the problem. Part of the problem, and why we're doubling up and taking these in one message, is because kindness and goodness are so similar, And it's like these words are almost used interchangeably in the scripture. It's like, so what's the difference between them? And and the reality is you would look at Paul and think Paul certainly wouldn't list nine fruits and just throw some synonyms in there, right? It's like, no, there there has to be, each of these words has to carry their own weight and bear their own significance. And so we're going to look at these two words today and we are going to see there is some difference between them and some nuance between them that is really powerful. So these are the two words then. Crestates. Uh, uh, Crestates is the first word, and that's the word for kindness. Crestates. It's usefulness, it's morally, it's excellence in character or demeanor, gentleness, goodness, and kindness. The King James translates this gentleness, but 22 of 24 uh, translations translated these the exact same way kindness and goodness. Both of these words, here's, here's one little piece of uh, commentary I found. Both are goodness, both these words are goodness, but the second word, we'll look at it in a minute, has the harder edge, and uh, this word here has the more gracious sense. Kindness has the more gracious sense, and the other word has the more harder edge, and that could factor in this morning. The second word then is the word goodness, and it's uh, agatho, agathosune, agathosune. Again, agathosune is this word goodness. It is virtue or beneficence or goodness. It is used in the New Testament of regenerate persons. And in reality, both of these today will describe a regenerate, a saved, a redeemed and born-again believer. But it's interesting that this word here for goodness is not found anywhere in secular Greek. And it's almost like this was a word that was coined by believers or God coined it by by for believers in a sense. And so these are the two words, kindness and goodness, and they're extremely similar. And we're going to see today as we go forward uh, how we can differentiate between these so we can, we, can, uh, we can bear these fruits in our life. And now note again, all the fruit of the Spirit, they're nouns. They're not verbs. They don't describe what I do. They're not adjectives that describe what I'm like. They are nouns that describe who I am. This is my identity. This is exactly who I am. That's why I'm putting it on. I'm putting on exactly the new creation clothes that define and, 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 and just basically are my very identity. It's who I am. Now, here's where our big idea fits in then this morning. Real simple. When I walk by the Spirit, I will walk in kindness. When I walk by the Spirit, I will walk in kindness. You want to be a kinder person? You just walk by the Spirit. 
and you will be a kinder person. It's that simple. To demonstrate more kindness in life is to walk by the challenge. Now, this is where our second big challenge comes in. The first challenge is both these words are very similar. The second big challenge is this. Like that opening story about the cop. I could find you a dozen stories to tell you this morning. I've, I have a place where I go and I can find sermon illustrations and I can find sources and you know um, links back to, to articles and news stuff. I could find you a dozen stories like that. You know, the truth is, that story this morning of the cop is really not what we're going to talk about today, ironically. Like, that's an act of kindness. But you know what's different between that story and what we're going to talk about? There's a difference between the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Remember these two trees. There's the tree in the Garden of Eden. There's the tree of, of life, of Christ. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's the fact, the, 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 the reality. Anybody today, I don't care if you're saved or not, anybody can do a good deed. Anybody can show kindness. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a kindness that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit expressing himself through me. And that's really different. And that's why, yeah, it'd be, it'd be easy to do a message on patience or kindness or goodness and just say, you know, here's five ways to be kind. I, like, like, like a TED Talk, I did this. I actually Googled TED Talk kindness. 20, 30 hits right away. But we're not here to do TED Talks. We're here to look at the theology. We're here to look at what, God, what does God say about his work in my life to produce spiritual fruit. And so there's something more than just a generic kindness that the world has to offer. One other question before we jump into this today. There's a question I've had the last uh, few weeks and I've kind of dug into and I haven't had a chance to share it yet. But I ask this question. I wonder, there are nine fruits. Is there any significance to the order of these nine fruits? And you know, when you research that out, you don't find a lot of feedback on that. Uh, I found one sort of uh, directional way is that it seems like there's three sets of three. And so I took that and I kind of broke that down in my own sense. And here's what I came up with when you look at these fruits of the Spirit. You have the first three are love, joy, and peace. And this seems to refer to my relationship with God. And usually this is the first thing that someone experiences after they're saved. You, someone gets saved and they say, boy, I just felt this, this, this joy and this peace. And the love of God just kind of sweeping over me. It's like where our spiritual maturity begins to grow. And then the second set is patience, kindness, and goodness. This is my relationship with you. And this is when I'm getting a little more spiritually mature. And I'm growing more in my faith. And then we move on to the last three. Gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is my relationship with me, with myself. These are the fruits that reflect my relationship as I'm really growing in faith and now I'm, I'm humble or I'm meek or I'm gentle. That's the next word we look at in this. And then there's like faithfulness and fidelity and then there's actually um, self-control, right? Self-control. And so I think that's a fascinating way to look at these. There are three sets of threes. My relationship with God, with you, and then with myself. And we're in this section, second section. We looked at patience last week. And, and you will see today, as, you, as you, you'll note many times, kindness and patience are linked together. They're just, they're just right there next to each other. And I think that's uh, deliberate as well. One other interesting, fascinating little nugget. That word, you know, we, we talk about that word for kindness. If I can go back here and find it again. Um, Christates. Uh, 
Christates. And if you look at that, the way it's written out though, um, I wonder if you can see something in there. Probably can't. But I'll, I'll tell you, there's another Greek word that is very similar to that. They come from the same root. And this is really fascinating because you have the first four fruits and the last four fruits. And right in the center of these fruits is this fruit of kindness. And it looks a lot like Christos. Christos is another Greek word. You know what Christos stands for? Anybody want to guess? That's for Christ. And right in the middle of these nine fruits, right in the center is this word that sounds a lot like Christos, comes from the same root as Christos, and Christ is right in the center. I don't, I don't think that's by accident. And many think there is a play on words here possibly intended. So let's jump into this today and look at kindness and goodness, embracing the kindness and goodness of Christ. Three steps to walking with the Spirit to a more fruitful life. We have three steps today, the first two a little, and the last one just real briefly we'll hit on. But here's the first one you need to know. Kindness is the disposition of the Spirit. Kindness is the disposition. So the best way for me to kind of differentiate between kindness and goodness and really the, the best way to, 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 to really approach this is to take them together so you can contrast them and understand them rather than just taking them on their own. And the first thing we see is that kindness is the disposition. We'll see what goodness is in a moment. But kindness is the disposition of this. What's a disposition? Well, here's my definition looking at different definitions excuse me, a, a natural temperament based upon our nature. Think of the word inclined or the word inclination. What's your natural inclination, right? And so the natural inclination of, of, of God, of Christ, the natural inclination is to be kind. He's just kind. That's what he is. I was thinking about, I heard, I heard a great illustration about an airport, and you're at the airport, and you're like, there's like 32 people in line, right? And you're number seven, and uh, the, the plane is all full, and they're clearing, trying to find seats. And they come out, and they say, you're number seven, they come out, and they say, we have room for seven more people. And you're, you're immediately thinking, oh, okay, you're thinking about, I'm number seven. Woo! I made, I made the plane. You're not thinking about number 32, are you? Hasn't crossed your mind, number 32, or 25, or 14. Unless, unless you're a believer, possibly, because God does something to us inside, and he changes our, uh, our disposition, changes our inclinations, and we may, as we renew our mind, we may become the person that stops and thinks, boy, there's still 21. I wonder if there's anybody out there that needs this more than I do. Like I could sit here another three or four hours, but maybe number 25 can't. And I could trade places with them. That's an interesting, when you think about this idea of inclination and disposition. Look at Romans 3.10. Fascinating passage here. We'll break this down just a bit. Romans 3.10. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already ch charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All, um, all have turned aside together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And that word good there is actually the word kindness. See, that's what I'm saying, it's like interchangeable. You think that'd be the word goodness, it's the word kindness. No one does kindness, no one is inclined to kindness. And the point is, before we are saved, the Bible says no one is kind. No one has a natural inclination to kindness. It's like we said last week, when your children are born, what do you do? You teach them how to be kind, share their toys, and not hit, <laughs> right? Because we're inclined to do those things. 
Be kind, share your toys, and don't hit. We don't have to teach our kids how to be mean. We have to teach them how to be kind. You see, we're all born under the curse of sin with a natural inclination to sin. I've never really described this very well. I think I've, I've got a better handle on it recently. People will often say, well, why am I guilty of Adam's sin? Well, you're not guilty of Adam's sin. You're guilty of your sin. You're born under the curse of sin with a natural inclination to sin, and all have sinned. We're just going to sin. Nothing can stop us from sinning. And we are held accountable for our sin, separated from a holy God. So being under the curse of sin means that I do not have a natural disposition towards kindness. Now, does this mean that no one can do anything kind? Well, sure, people that live at the tree of good and evil can do both good and evil in their flesh. In their flesh, they can be kind. But they can't be kind through the Holy Spirit. They've all, we've all got a, con, before we're saved, you have a conscience, you know it's right and wrong. Oh, I should be nice to that person. And sometimes we do. But we don't have the Spirit directing us. Isaiah 64, 6 says this, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. See, all of our righteousness apart from Christ, all of our righteousness apart from Christ, is worthless. It's like a filthy rag. I didn't even know you know you're recording, Dan. I thought, we're not going to get this recorded today, but boy, Dan, Dan, Dan's a pretty miracle worker there. But all our righteousness apart from Christ is like filthy rags. But the problem is most people think, well, my righteousness, my good works can save me. If I, if I have a stronger kindness quotient than I do a mean streak, I'll get into heaven. It don't work that way. You only get into heaven based upon what Christ has done for you. Now, looking at this by contrast, so this is us before we're saved. By contrast, think about what it says about God. There's a great word, a great, there's a great Hebrew word in the Old Testament, um, hesed, that talks about the loving kindness of God, the Father. It's a great word. It's used several, like 30, over 30 times probably in the Old Testament. Because Psalm 63.3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. This is the New King James Version. Most new translations use steadfast. Psalms 143.8, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Loving kindness. God is known for his loving kindness. Hesed. So a picture emerges, does it not? We're born under the curse of sin. There's nothing good in us. God is full of loving kindness. He is perfect and holy. That's why we can't go to heaven. We're not perfect and holy. And so we see that God has this loving kindness that flows from the essence of who he is. Flows from, we said, the essence of God is his goodness and his glory, his love and his light. And, and, and this, this loving kindness just flows out of the essence of who he is. Is. Now, look at this. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Again, this passage talks about before we were saved. Ephesians chapter 2. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were under that curse of sin, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Basically, here we see that God has created us. Think, God has created us to bless us with his kindness and goodness. I often say it, why did God create us? He didn't need us. He wasn't lonely. 
There was no impure motivation in creating us. He created us simply because he is a God that wanted to pour out his goodness. Let's just say, for instance, you, as a believer, the person you are today in Christ, let's just say that you had billions of dollars. And every time you spend anything, you just got more back. What would you naturally do? Man, we would just love to go around. We know the scriptures say it's better to give than receive. We would just love to go around and just shower money on people and shower blessings on people. We just, we just get it all back. We, we have an unlimited supply. That is God. He has an unlimited supply of goodness, of kindness and of mercy and of grace and of mercy. And God just pours out his goodness on us. Now, he doesn't just pour out material blessings on us, right? Because that would be cruel. That would actually be cruel. If God just poured out, it, it just continually poured out wealth on us, we know that would just give us a warped view of God and drive us from God. But God does sometimes bless us financially. He blesses us with all these spiritual blessings in Christ. He blesses us with these fruits of the Spirit, this love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and everything else. It's an amazing, amazing thing. He has an unlimited supply. He created us to pour out his goodness on us. So here's what you need to understand then. That when you become a new creation in Christ, something happens. Your default disposition becomes kindness. You may not always feel kind. You may not always think you want to be kind. But let me just tell you, your default disposition in Christ with the identity of Christ is, I'm a kind person. And you will find yourself being kind in times. If you renew your mind and and allow yourselves, you'll find yourself being kind in times and in moments when you didn't think you would be. And the reality is, see, this is the thing. When we talk about a default disposition, without any outside influence, without your mind being taken captive by the world, you'd be a kind person. When you go to heaven and there's no outside influence and there's there's no flesh and there's no sin and there's nothing, you're just going to be a kind person. Like Jesus. Everybody will be kind forever in heaven. It's going to be an amazing thing. One other thing about this this kindness then, this disposition. Think about this interesting verse. What does it look like? Matthew 11, 28. Fascinating verse here. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. That word easy there is the adjective form of the word we're looking at for kindness. Like, like my yoke is, is a kind yoke. It's an easy yoke. God's kindness, not only toward me, but his kindness in me, like when it's my default position, makes me a more mellow person. And that would make sense, right? Because I'm yoked to Christ and, and, he, and I'm, I'm relying on Christ and he's making my life easier. Here, here is a, a, just a, a bit of commentary from the keyword NIV. I found this, many people quoting this. Um, <clears throat> Kindness is the grace which pervades the whole nature, mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere. Thus wine is Christos, mellowed with age. Uh, Christ's yoke is, is Christos, having nothing harsh or gallowing about it. The word is descriptive of one's disposition and does not necessarily uh, entail acts of goodness as does the word um, aga, uh, agatho uh, suni, uh, active kindness. So before we move on, just understand what we, what we mean by a disposition here. 
Like if a person is in line at the grocery store and the person in front of them goes to pay for their groceries and has forgot their money and they have $35 in groceries and the guy behind them says, oh, here's $40. I'm gonna pay it forward. Okay, that's being kind. But that's not, he, that's not like he's, he's not necessarily responding to the Holy Spirit. He's responding to the moment and to his conscience and he's doing something nice. And that's well and fine but that's not necessarily a fruit of the Spirit. And what's hard for us to probably stop and reason is in some senses, that could actually be a work of the flesh. That's just his flesh doing a good thing. And he maybe thinks, well, yeah, I need to do good things if I'm going to get into heaven someday. Hmm, how about that? In the end, God only honestly knows what is a work of the flesh and a fruit of the Spirit. And even in our life who are saved, we can do things through our flesh, right? And we'll wear ourselves out, but we can follow the Holy Spirit and bear the fruits of the Spirit. One thing is clear about a kindness that is a fruit of the Spirit versus a work of the flesh. One thing about a kindness that is rooted in a godly disposition is that that kindness shows no limitations. There is no limitations to God's kindness. And you have that kindness. So just think about that. Philippians 4.13, Brian Study Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in that, that same literal Bible translation, Brian literal Bible, I have strength for all things in the one strengthening me. And we understand this verse. This verse doesn't guarantee you that you're going to win the Olympics, right? Because you can do all things through Christ or you're going to win the World Series or you're going to get that record deal or whatever. This is saying, you want to best apply this verse? Go back to last week's message on patience, right? There's two, two sides of patience. One is suffering long with people, and the other side of patience was what? Remaining under adversity. And that's what this verse can help us do. This verse, I can do all things. Like, I can suffer long with anyone, and I can remain under this adversity through Christ who gives me the strength. And I can be kind at the same time. What a great, what, what, to bring those together is so incredible. I can do all things, bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. That's 1 Corinthians 13, encourage us. Meaning I can show kindness to anyone at any time, anywhere, through Christ who strengthens me. Because as you see, I am yoked to Jesus and he makes patience, kindness, and goodness easy or natural. How about that? During his days as president, Thomas Jefferson and a group of his uh, companions were traveling across the country on horseback and they came upon this flooded river which had washed the bridge away. Each rider was forced to, to ford the river on horseback, fighting against the deadly currents. One traveler, not part of the group, was watching from a distance. After seeing several people cross the river safely, the stranger wandered up to the president, tapped his boot and said, Can I have a ride across the river? President Jefferson agreed with hesitation and the man climbed onto Jefferson's horse and the two of them made it safely to the other side. As the stranger slid off the back of the horse to dry ground, a man in the group looked at him with incredulity and said, why on earth would you ask the President of the United States for a ride across the river? Why didn't you ask one of us? And the man was shocked and said, I had no idea that he was the President of the United States. All I knew is that written upon uh, some of your faces was the word no, but written upon his face was the word yes, and I needed a yes face today. Let's say yes to kindness as we listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit within us. So, kindness is the disposition of the Spirit, and if I am saved, it is now my default disposition in Christ. 
know that. So I, I will walk in kindness when I walk by the Spirit, right? Or if I walk by the Spirit, I will walk in kindness. It's the disposition of the Spirit. Here's our second step. Kindness is the demonstration of the kindness of the Spirit. So, so goodness is the demonstration. Goodness is the demonstration of the kindness of the Spirit. This is the best way to see the nuance. Kindness is the disposition. Goodness is the demonstration of that disposition. So let's kind of get practical and work this out here again. And, and look at this verse in Ephesians 2. Go back to Ephesians 2 again. We read it earlier. Rick read it for us earlier before we started today. And uh, this, of course, we know we're not saved by our good works, right? Our good works are filthy rags, but we are saved to do good works, and we see that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God's going to just, in the ages to come, going to continually, through all of eternity, pour out his kindness on us. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works or your works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us then for goodness, to do good things. We have a natural disposition to kindness, and we are created to go out and do good works. That's the reality check. We were created in Christ for good works. So God's kindness extends beyond the fact that he made us to pour out his goodness on us, but he created us so that we could also join him in doing good works for other people and pouring out that same mercy and grace and kindness onto others. Isn't that amazing? Truth is, whenever you do a good work, a good deed, you naturally feel good about that. Kids need to learn that. Kids, kids do learn, learn that. They do good things, and uh, you feel good about that. Like, boy, that, that was like, that was hard. That was hard work. It was tiring, but I feel good about what I accomplished. And we were created to do good deeds. And this should help us rethink the good deeds that we do or that we could do, right? That we pass up on sometimes. Because I was wired to simply walk in good works. Now, think about this kindness disposition on one side, this goodness disposition, this, this goodness demonstration on the other, and look at the life of Jesus a minute. Titus chapter 3 verse 4, but when the goodness, there's the goodness, and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, they're both wrapped up in Christ. When, 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 um, <clears throat> When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that's when Christ came, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so just, just to understand that these, these two things, Jesus illustrates them. Like they, 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 he illustrates them on behalf of the Father and says this is what God looks like. And follow the trajectory then that, that, that God demonstrated these things through Jesus and he wants today to demonstrate them through Jesus through us. Like now we are Jesus' body, we're now his church, right? And he wants to demonstrate this kindness and this goodness through you and me in the world today. He wants us to do that. 
What a beautiful opportunity we have. Let me give you a handful of practical ways, kind of like I did last week. I'm going to use that same, somebody liked this last week, and I thought it fits in again today. Let's give you five quick ways to leverage your kindness today. Leverage the partnership between your faith and your kindness. Think about that. You have a faith. So take your faith and your kindness and leverage them together. And what can that accomplish? When I have the faith to believe that my kindness might make a difference in somebody's life, that my kindness might lead someone to Christ. It's been said that more people are reached for Christ through kindness than through any debate, through any sermon, through any PowerPoint illustration. Kindness can soften that hard heart. Soften can harden the hardest of hearts open a closed heart Romans 2 4 or do you presume on the riches of his kindness God's kindness and forbearance and patience notice kindness and patience linked together again not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance God is kind to us thinking that his kindness will cause us to repent cause our hearts to be softened and our, and our hearts to be opened how about that Faith then can help me bear more kindness. It can help me to be kind when my kindness appears futile. How about this? Leverage, leverage the partnership between your patience and kindness. Okay, and we talked about patience last week. Well, consider that it is one thing to bear with someone, to be patient with someone. It is another thing to do so with both kindness and goodness. Colossians 3, again, we see them linked together here in Colossians 3. We said this earlier. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Here's the thing. There are those people in your life that need kindness, but they need more than kindness. They also need time. They need time to learn that I can trust God. Or I, I, they need time to know that I can trust you. I can believe in you, that your heart is sincere, that you're genuine. And so they need not just kindness, they need time. If you can have the faith, think about this, if you can take the faith to show kindness in response to someone's meanness and to do so with patience over time, that can be a powerful partnership that can help to soften the hardest heart. Taking faith and patience and kindness all together Whoa, what a work they can do. How about leveraging the partnership between your words and kindness? The kind person understands the power of his words when it comes to kindness. He knows that everything he says is a seed either of kindness or unkindness. We're planting seeds in people's hearts all the time. In fact, the kind person understands and realizes that often people hear what's said in their, <clears throat> they hear what we say with their heart even more than with their ears. Think about that a minute. We talk and someone can hear with their ears and they can hear with their heart. And we understand that. Ephesians 4, Paul's ways in in Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. To the words you speak, give grace to those around you. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. There are a number of questions you can pull out of that little passage there. You can ask, will this harm someone? Will this help someone? Will this hurt someone? 
Will this even hurt the Holy Spirit? Simple yet powerful questions weak to both test and to shape our worlds. And the kind person understands that it's not just what I say, but it's how I say it, it's when I say it, it's where I say it. There's all kinds of things wrapped up in that and that my words can sow the seeds of kindness or unkindness. Leverage the partnership between your words and kindness and say words that plant the seeds of kindness into somebody else's heart. And then next, kind of closely associated, leverage the partnership between the truth and kindness. Leverage the partnership between not just your words and kindness, but God's word and kindness. In short, use your words to share God's words and yet do so with kindness. We looked at that earlier in this series, the parable of the sower and the seeds. And there's like the seeds are get planted into the different, the different, different soil of the heart. There's four different hearts there, and it's only like, like only one heart really responds affirmatively and bears any fruit. And I thought about this today, how in some ways, when I am planting that seed, that, that just the way that I plant that seed with kindness through my words, or the way that I plant God's word with kindness, can soften someone's heart can soften someone's heart, can open someone's heart to be responsive to the gospel. How many times do people not hear or just reject what we say because of how we say it? Pretty powerful to stop and think about. Paul weighs in again on this partnership between truth and kindness and a verse maybe we never really caught before. Look at Ephesians 5. Fascinating little verse here. And again, Paul does not use the word kindness here, but this is the word goodness. So this is, this is the demonstration side of things. Ephesians 5, 8, For at one time you were darkness before you were saved. Now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Oh, put, on, put on those new creation clothes and just walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good. There's that word, agathosune think something like that good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the lord take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness one commentator noted a relationship here between kindness and goodness and righteousness well they noted a they noted a relationship between goodness and righteousness and and and, and again remember kindness and goodness are very closely linked they said that goodness is here and like righteousness is the harsher side of goodness like when jesus went into the temple and cast out the money changers he was doing a good thing but he was being righteously indignant and then he said at the same time there is goodness when he went and he for instance the the woman from the city came in the prostitute came in is washing his feet with her hair and her tears and the perfume and all that and he was so kind to her and this is kind of the way that I, I didn't put it on the screen. I, I don't think I put it on your notes either, but I had this picture then in my mind of how I developed it. Like here's goodness, and then there's righteousness over here. Sometimes we need the harsh side of goodness, which is just the harsh, the righteousness, the truth. You need to hear the truth. And then there's, over here is the kindness. Like it's goodness, and here's the kindness kind of side of goodness. It's the soft, gentle side. And it's true when you think about Jesus in the scriptures, how Jesus had his run-ins with the religious leaders. And there was times he was harsh and he was, but if you looked at his life all in all, you would say mostly his life was defined by this kindness. He was just a kind person. He was gentle with people. He was kind of tough with the disciples at times. He would get a little, but he was usually one-on-one. -on -one. He was just kind and gentle 
and patient and he was kind when he walked to the cross and he was kind when he hung on the cross and he was kind after he defeated the cross he was kind to peter and the rest of the disciples when they struggled to believe kindness and it made me stop and think about my own life and and and, and, and so how do i know the difference like how do i know when i need to be righteously a little harsher with someone or i just need to be gentle and kind well what does it say in here right it's amazing how you see certain words start to pop up in scripture more than you ever realized verse 10 and try to discern what is pleasing to the lord so let the holy spirit lead you and sometimes the spirit's going to lead you to say something really hard a hard truth to someone and even then you can say it with kindness but you're going to speak the truth might be a little more of an edge to it over here you're just going to very lovingly tell someone the truth or be be good to them be patient with them Give them the time to grow, to soften their heart. How amazing is that? I wonder, though, how do you hear your words? Think about this a minute. How do we all hear our words? How do I hear my words online, at work, in line at the store, under attack, misjudged, misunderstood? How do I hear my words? Are they gentle and kind, or do I sometimes get a little harsh? One last partnership then is leveraging the partnership between joy and kindness, right? Between joy and kindness. Listen to this great passage in 2 Corinthians 6. We put no obstacle, says Paul, speaking about his own testimony in life. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness together again, the Holy Spirit and genuine love by truthful speech. And the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we lived as punished and yet not killed. And how does he endure this? As sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. And in Paul's personal testimony there, in all the adversity and persecution that he faced in his ministry, how did he endure? Through a joyful attitude. We said it earlier in the series, right? Joy is the super fruit or the super fruit that allows me to endure so that I can bear more fruit. Like the more joy I have, the more fruit I'm going to bear, I'm just going to endure whatever this world throws at me. And note the fruit that it produced in Paul's life there. Patience and kindness and genuine love all wrapped around the Holy Spirit. Isn't that just beautiful? And isn't that just amazing? Isn't that all? You see the parallel between the fruits of the Spirit and many of these passages today? They're there. So what did we learn today? Before I give you my final point here, we learned that when I walk by the Spirit, I will walk in kindness. When I walk by the Spirit, I will walk in kindness. We saw that kindness is the disposition of the Spirit. It's also my default disposition if I am a new creation in Christ. 
I'm a new creation in Christ, that's my default disposition. And then we learn that goodness is the demonstration of the kindness of the Spirit. And again, I'm not just doing a good work, I am bearing spiritual fruit. Here's our third and briefly just last point to wrap things up. The Spirit will do the work if I'll just focus on the walk. The Spirit will do the work if I will just focus on the walk. When it comes to my relationship with others, patience and kindness and goodness, being kind to them, demonstrating goodness for them, being patient with them, just remember the simple rule, the Spirit will do the work if I will focus on the walk. Yesterday, and I'm not sure when it was, maybe it was here, I don't know what prompted this. I'm just walking and I'm thinking, and I I got drawn back to an earlier time in my life. I mean, earlier, like, well, back before I was married, probably back when I was in high school and, and beyond and for a long time, and I don't know exactly when this ended. But I remembered I used to take a lot of walks with God. I would just go out and I would walk. And I would talk with God. And um, I don't know why that ended. It could be the nature of when we moved here and where we live, and that could have been part of it. And maybe more of those walking and talkings became sit-downs right here in the church, you know, where i just sit down and have a conversation with God. But I thought about that reality. I thought about uh, how simple that really is to just walk with Christ and let him simply do the work, to yoke myself to Christ and let him make the journey easy and to make my spirit more mellow. Who wants to have a more mellow spirit in life? Even as I sometimes stress out over a sermon, it's like, and then I watch God complete it and wrap it up and put it all together and I'm amazed once again. Why was I so stressed out about that? Listen to what Paul says, though, about this walk. And I'll give you just a closing set of comments here. He says in Galatians 5, 16, going back to where these whole fruits of the Spirit originate from in this text. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then down in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And I thought, so what does it take then to take a walk with God? What does it look like to just take a walk with God like I used to do and to let Him do the work? Well, here's what it looks like to me. First of all, how about communion? How about a time of a verbal conversation with God? How about that? Like, like taking a walk and just having a conversation, maybe even a verbal conversation. And what that does is that kind of reminds you that God is real and God is present and God is walking with you. Like he's right here with me because he is. He's right here, right? We know that. So that's part of what taking a walk looks like and I suppose that's what I used to do. i just walk along and I would talk and I would sing and I would just fellowship with the Lord. How about, how about the pace? Like, like letting him set the pace because we can get pretty hurried in life and we can race everywhere. And I thought even Paul talks about running the race and yet the race is a marathon. And what if the race is simply walking with Christ? It's, it's, not, it's not a running race, it's a, it's a walking race where we run, where we don't run, we just walk with Christ. And we just stay on track and we then keep in step with the Spirit. Like walking, taking a walk with God is keeping in step with the Spirit. I, I annoy Melissa sometimes because... She's not in the room now. We'll, we'll be walking, you know, somewhere. And so I, I plan my footsteps so they are right in sync with hers all the way through, you know. 
She's like, Dad, stop that. Dad, stop that. Dad, stop that. And I don't know why. It's, I, just can't, I can't help myself, you know. It's like, but we need to do that with the Holy Spirit. Just get in step with the Spirit. Just get in stride with the Spirit. Don't drag your feet. Don't speed on ahead. Just walk in harmony with Him. As we said, that's when we have the most friction in our life, when we are in the Spirit as believers and we live over here at the tree of flesh and there's just going to be conflict in our life. There's just going to be conflict if you're in Christ and you're living over in the flesh. And then how about a focus? Like if you're taking a walk, just get your focus in the right area. And focus on the beauty around you and focus on the God who is with you and focus on the answer to your problems, not your problems. Focus on the hope that you have in Christ. Focus on the joy and the peace you have in spite of your problems, the joy that is the super fruit or super fruit that will help you conquer your problems and bear more fruit. Get your focus. And then I thought this was really cool too. To walk with the Spirit is in a sense to be carried by the Spirit. How? How about that? Like to walk with the Spirit is to be carried by the Spirit. Kind of like that old footprints, I guess, uh, poem. Just thought of that. But walking in the Spirit is being yoked to Christ and carried by the Spirit. And listen, this is how Jesus walked up, up Calvary with kindness. And this is what allowed Jesus to suffer on the cross with kindness. And this is what allowed the Roman soldier who stood next to the cross to say, surely this was the Son of God. May people also see your kindness and know that you are also a child of God. Father God, thank you so much for your kindness with us. Thank you that you are so kind and so good to us. Help us to trust you this week, to walk with you, to walk in step with you this week, to not not just try to do good deeds in the flesh, but to try to be responsive to the Holy Spirit, beating within our very heart. In Jesus' name, amen. On the screen, two more slides on the screen then, and I'm going to have Dan put them up here. Um, let me just challenge you application to take a walk with God throughout your day. Like, what, what a great application. Just we think about taking a walk. Well, just walk with God all day long. All throughout your day, just take a walk with God and be sensitive to Him and what He wants to say to you. What's the next slide, Dan? I'm trying to remember here, yeah. And then as a challenge, find, here's a challenge for you. This might be hard for some of you. Find some time this week to go out and to, and to get alone with God and take a walk and have a conversation, maybe a verbal conversation. Can you find a place secluded enough where no one will think you're crazy and you can just walk along and have a conversation and talk to God? Let's stand together. Let's try to sing. Yet not I but Christ. We'll try to sing one more song as we go out today. What a great way to end the day. And Unless Dan thinks it won't work. We'll just take a shot here. <clears throat>